Glory to God. If you have your Bibles for a few moments, I'm going to talk about getting rid of the stain of guilt. Sin stains are easily removed by the blood of Jesus Christ. The stain of guilt is going to take some heavy laundry. There are so many Christians that are in a prison of guilt. They will tell you up front that their sins are forgiven. And I'm going to make a statement here. It's easier to get God's forgiveness than it is to forgive yourself. The Bible said of God, and this sounds contradictory, but you've got to understand the fear of the Lord. It isn't. The Bible said that, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And you've got to understand that the fear of the Lord, as it's translated in context of Scripture, means deep reverence with awe and affection. It's amazing that in the context of the fear of the Lord is a reverence for Him and a drawing to Him, not a dread of Him. Amen? Deep reverence. Let all the world stand in awe of Him. With awe. Because He commanded and it was done. He created the world and the universe. and his, He's such a powerful and pure and holy God. He deserves deep reverence. We're in awe of His power, and yet He loves you, and He loves me enough to give His Son for us. And Christ loves us enough to give His life for us. Say it with me so you understand the fear of the Lord. Deep reverence with awe and affection that's what that's that's you can hear it in jeremiah ah he's standing in such awe of god he says ah lord god he doesn't just say lord god he says ah lord god amen it starts with ah you know why it says ah because he's in awe of god it's part of the fear of the lord ah lord god Thou hast made heaven and earth by thine outstretched hand, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Do you see the awe, the awesomeness of Almighty God? And yet this Almighty God draws near to us. We are dear to His heart. He loves us supremely. Praise God, He gave Christ for us. Christ gave His life for us. So the Bible said the fear of the Lord Deep reverence with awe and affection. Not a dread of Him, but something that draws you to Him. Hallelujah. David was in the old covenant. He didn't have the new covenant revelation nor relationship available to him. And yet he was so drawn to God. When he was in the wilderness away from the temple, he knew behind that big Keep out sign that big linen veil was such a holy presence that no one could go back there, but you could come to the temple and offer a sacrifice and you could burn incense in the temple and it would go up behind the veil in the presence of God. He knew the God of glory is not sitting aloof in his high heaven, but he is tabernacling with men and women to keep his covenant because of his love. Can you say, man? 
And David said, one thing have I desired that will I seek after, that I may inquire at his temple and behold his beauty. Hallelujah. Praise God. Moses saw the Red Sea part. He saw the miracle of God. He saw Pharaoh's army destroyed. He saw God provide manna. He saw all of these things. He heard in that tent of meeting where he met with God and God didn't speak with him. The Bible said like he did other prophets. He said, Moses, I'm going to talk to him differently. I'm going to communicate. Him, I'm going to speak to mouth to mouth. You know what he heard when he went down to the tent of meeting? He heard God's audible voice. Wow. And yet, he wanted more than anything else to be close to God. Hallelujah. See, without the affection part of that, we just are in dread of Him. We, we can't, oh my gosh, oh my Lord, your, your presence, your presence. We're not driven away by His presence. We're drawn to His presence. In His presence, there's fullness of joy at His right hand. There's pleasure forevermore. Everybody in this room was given something. The Bible puts it this way. That Christ lightens every person that comes into existence into the world. That means He puts within us enough light... To make choices. And that light is called conscience. Everybody say conscience. One of the signs of the last day is that it's going to be harder for God to convict people whose hearts have become hardened toward Him. Because it said without the conscience being sensitive, conviction can't occur. Conscience is a good thing. If you didn't have a conscience, you wouldn't have been convicted of your sin and you wouldn't have come to Christ as your Savior. But you do have a conscience. How many has ever had a guilty conscience? How many were glad when you got rid of that? Through repentance. Amen. See, the devil has an ally in accusing you and it's not God and it's not the Holy Spirit. You know who his ally is in accusing you? Your own conscience. Our own conscience. Our own conscience. And what we're going to read here today is to deal with that stain that sin has left called a guilty conscience. Many people have been forgiven by God. And by the way, when God forgives, let me tell you how people forgive. I've heard this. They know they must forgive because God forgave us. And because God forgave us, the Scriptures say, for Christ's sake we should forgive one another. We're told when we stand praying to forgive. Because it can disqualify your prayer, so you've got to deal with that if you're going to pray in faith and expect an answer. So, so when you stand praying, Jesus said, if you have ought against anybody, forgive. Do it right then. Do it right there. Amen. I understand through my testimony there are people that are seeking to be forgiving people that were felt justified in not forgiving. But when they heard what the preacher prayed when I was laying in the floor, thought I was going to stand before the Lord in the next few seconds. 
what the Holy Spirit led me to pray was not for deliverance initially. It wasn't for healing initially. It wasn't for, for God to raise me up and give me 15 more years like Hezekiah prayed. The Holy Spirit came on me while I was laying there. And I thought maybe this is it. This is the, this is the time that I'm t- to go home. And if I'm going to go home and stand before the Lord, I want to make sure that I'm forgiven. And I want to make sure that I have forgiven. And so there was a family member that the devil used. And the Bible said that your enemies shall be they, not those people you can get away from so easily. Amen. If you own a job and they're bugging you, you can change jobs if you can afford it. Amen. If you if there's there's if, if the if somebody if the neighbors you just quit talking to the neighbor, give up on it, and pray for them, and get away from them, stay away from them. But but you're stuck with that little that little. You're stuck with family, right? I mean. I've had people tell me, don't open the door. Tell them to get away. Well, it's not that simple. You can't just turn your back on family. Even though the main reason you don't turn your back is because they'll stab you in the back. Amen. Some of them, not all of them. You know, there's good families. Walton's had a pretty good thing going on. Can you say amen? Father knows best. What was it? Beaver Cleaver and... All those, you know, only on television. Only on television. It's a great ideal. It would be wonderful if it worked that way. But it doesn't. The Bible said because of Jesus, conflict is going to come within families. And it's all because you have decided to accept Christ as your Savior and follow Him. Mothers and daughters are going to have a falling out. Sons and mothers and, and fathers are going to have a falling out. Sisters and brothers are going to have a falling out. And your enemies shall be they of that own, own household, that inner circle. I found that to be true. And we've been through some tough times in our familial relationships. Oh, by the way. In the household of God, in the family of God. We're family. You may not want to acknowledge it all the time, but we are family, all my brothers, sisters, and me. Amen. You're sitting by someone that you have a familial relationship with. Someone said living with the saints above. Won't that be glory? Living with the saints below. Now that's another story. Amen. We can become disenfranchised and have disunity among ourselves. And the devil is the master of divide and conquer. Because it works for him. It works for him. And that's why Paul said, if you have forgiven someone, we're coming to you. And if there has been an incident where forgiveness has already operated, before we get there, we're going to go ahead and forgive too. Lest Satan 
Come on now, you can have all your armor on, you can have your sword and your shield and your hobnailed boots of the Roman soldier, you can have your loins girt about with truth, but if you don't forgive, if you don't, come on, this is not part of the armor, but it's part of, the, of that that allows the armor to work in your life. You can't stand on the Word and violate the Word at the same time. You can't take authority over the devil. Christians love to go to meetings where they talk about the believer's authority. And you got it. And the devil knows we got it. And most of us don't use the authority that has been delegated to us. In my name, you'll cast out devils. In my name, you will tread on serpents. You will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Hallelujah. So the authority of the believer, there's crowds go to it. But when it comes down to getting a clear conscience, because all sin is confessed, and we are forgiven so that we might be forgiven. And God can legitimately honor our faith, and our authority can legitimately be used. Everybody in here that hasn't forgiven feels justified in doing it, or you would have already done it. And you would explain to me, should I ask you why you haven't, the circumstances. And we'd both be mad at whoever you're mad at when you're done. (laughs) Amen? Because people can get to you and things can happen to you and, and, and you become a victim of somebody's whatever. But laying in the floor, going to stand before God, first thing the Holy Spirit had me pray was, That someone that got to me, and I forgave them here. I I made a mental commitment. I said, Lord, I I know you said forgive, and and this is troubling me. And when I think of them, I see red. The Bible said, pray for your enemy. Do good to them that despitefully use you. if you If you want to put your flesh on the cross... If you really want to nail it tight to the cross, pray for the person that is causing you such pain. Because your flesh will not want to do it. Come on. I know what your flesh wants to do. What my flesh has wanted to do. Many times. Amen. (laughs) Yes, I have. You wouldn't believe it. I'm so sweet and kind. But my flesh is my flesh. And, and I'm convinced your flesh has the same stuff. Amen. God cut me off in traffic. Almost caused me to have a wreck. And then, because I put on the brakes to keep from running over him, he gave me the bad finger. Don't show me. But how many know which finger is the bad finger? Oh, man, I don't need a show of hands. And I thought, that's not, that's, that's not it. Y'all just keep it, keep it. He's got it locked down. He's got a lock on his. My stepdad was a truck driving son of a gun. Can I say that? Amen. His pappy was a pistol. He was a son of a gun. And he had the, the bad finger hand with the bad finger up sitting on his dash of his Kenworth tractor trailer. And that thing rode so rough, it kept that bad finger going back and forth. He gave the whole world the bad finger. Amen. Well, this guy pulled out in front of me, 
didn't yield the right away. I'm just going where I'm supposed to be in my lane. And I hit my brakes and squealed to keep from hitting him. And he gives me the bad finger. And then he pulls off. And something in me, something that I thought was so sanctified that it would never happen. That I would be calm and cool and collect. But something in me rose up. Now your flesh will play possum. And you know what possums do? My dog, I, I used to tell him, do you want to go pee-pee? But now I say, let's go see the possum. Because we go out at night for him to pee-pee. And we go out and there's a possum comes along our fence on the backyard. And he goes out and boy, he, he, before he pees, he has to check for the possum. So we, we, we changed it. In fact, one night, one night, he caught the possum. The possum took off running on the fence and fell down. And he ran and caught the possum. And you know what the possum did? He played possum. <laughs> he did. He just laid there like, you got me. You killed me. I'm dead. There's no point in hurting me. I'm dead. And the dog looked at him like, you're supposed to run. You're supposed to wiggle. You're supposed to scream or holler or something. And I said, let him alone. Let him alone. He's not bothering anybody. And we went, got him back inside. I looked out the window. The old possum's got one eye open. <laughs> and he said, that dog is gone. <laughs> hey, man, he come alive. He climbed back up that fence and took off. He boogied on out of there. i never seen a possum go from dead to that kind of life. That's what we call revival in the church. Can you say amen when that occurs? Hallelujah. So now I tell my dog, I say, I say, buddy, you want to go see the possum? Because sometimes he's so tired, he's getting old. We're celebrating his ninth birthday uh, this March. And going to give him chicken tenders and ice cream. Hey, he's nine years old. He, let him enjoy his life, just what, whatever's left of it. That's 63 in people years. He do love chicken tenders. <laughs> from from <laughs> Hallelujah. It's his birthday. What do you give your cat for her birthday? Same old, same old. <laughs> Come on. Lighten up, Mike. Give her a tuna fish or a tuna fish. Give her some tuna. <laughs> he does. Uh-huh. Yeah, we got a friend that we dog sit for him and and he he eats anything you eat. Well, that's good. But this friend of ours eats anything the dog eats. Because he will take and gnaw on the dog biscuit and chew it up to get the dog to try it. Let me tell you about your flesh and mine. Your flesh will play possum. It'll act dead so you don't crucify it. But God will allow something in His permissive will to stimulate that flesh that you, you thought was dead. I thought it was dead. I'm so sanctified. You should have heard me preach Sunday. I preach like a man from another world. I'm not of this world. I'm an alien here. I'm just visiting this planet until I got cut off in traffic. And I accelerated right up behind His bumper. And the Lord spoke to me. It's kind of like a dog chasing a bus. What would he do with it if he caught it? You know? 
And so the Lord asked me, what are you going to do? How are you going to act? He didn't put it in those terms, but I'm telling you what was in my spirit. Are you going to... Road rage gets serious. I mean, it's serious. Near Plant City, a guy got out of his truck, stopped, and come back at another guy sitting in a truck behind him. and, And he had just got out of prison three or four months for a road rage incident where he had physically accosted someone and, and, and he was just out of jail because of that road rage. And he came at this guy sitting in his truck, going to get him out of his truck, and the guy shot him and killed him dead. So, you know, what are you going to do when you catch him? What are you going to do when you catch him? And today it's worse than it was then. And I decelerated. I didn't just take my foot off the accelerator. I quit accelerating that part of me, feeding that part of me that justifies that kind of anger. It's called your flesh. And forgiveness has to go deeper than just saying it. Because here's what most people tell me in their honest moments. I say, have you forgiven that person? And they say, I can forgive them, Brother Venable. But I will never forget. I'm going to tell you something, old hoss. You have never forgiven until you cannot look at them and see red. It's going to be a little hard with Michael, but anyway. Amen? Seriously, when you stand praying, Forgive, for if you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. And the pattern prayer that we must pray, it's a part of every prayer we pray, is, Father, forgive us our trespasses contingent upon. Amen. As we forgive. As we forgive. As we forgive. Everybody in here that hasn't gone deep into forgiveness has a justifiable reason you feel is justified for not doing it. Amen. You can't bring that before God. You can't state that case before God. Here's what the Scripture said. If God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you, it's the only reason you have any hope of heaven is because Jesus took your place on the cross and for His sake God forgave you. Not because you deserve it. Not because there's any merit in you or anything good in you that would cause Him to do it. But because Jesus died on the cross for you. If God, for Christ's sake, forgave you. Did He forgive you for Jesus' sake? Then we ought, for Jesus' sake, to forgive one another. Ought is the word owe to. Owe to. We owe forgiveness. It is a debt That we owe to everyone who hurts us, does us wrong, or offends us in any way. And he said, you can't use your faith in violation of spiritual law. People would rather just go to a faith seminar. And yet when you stand praying, regardless of how much faith you have or don't have, there's a disqualifying factor. If you don't forgive men... Women, their trespasses, your Father will not forgive you. And you can't use faith to believe for your answer. 
if the Father doesn't forgive you because, I hate to break this to you, you're not perfect enough to do without His mercy and His forgiveness. If you think you are, you're saying something to God, and it's this in 1 John. If we say we have no sin, we're lying. You may be able to convince some people. And what's worse, you may deceive yourself. But you can never convince God. Man looks on what? What we project, the outward appearance. Where does God look? On the heart. And laying in that floor, it was my heart. It was between me and God. It had to do with my heart. And I prayed, Lord, I forgive. And I called the person's name and I meant it from the bottom of my heart. I don't want to stand before you with any unforgiveness in my heart. Because I'm counting on your forgiveness in order to stand before you. I can't stand before you in a perfectly sinless condition. But I can stand before you forgiven. Can you say amen? Everybody say forgiven. And the wonderful thing about it is not only did did it open the door for God to heal me and raise me up. To answer the prayers that were being prayed in my behalf. But it took the stain of the guilt. It took that guilt of always feeling that that anger or that resentment. It took that guilt away. Listen to what, what it says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 22. It said, let us draw near. Let us draw near. We're talking about the presence of God, entering into the presence of God Himself. Let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Everybody say an evil conscience. You know what that means in the Greek? It means a conscience defiled by guilt. It's not wickedness, a wicked conscience. It's, it's actually remembering the wickedness that was in us before Christ forgave us. It's a conscience that still is feeling guilty over that that we've been forgiven from. And what is it designed to do? The devil saying, You're not, you can't enter into the presence of God. Remember when... Remember when you got baptized in the Holy Ghost? First thing the devil told you, you're not worthy, you're not clean enough. We had that reiterated to us in our church. It took me a long time. God had to get me out of church to get me filled with the Holy Ghost. I couldn't get filled in church because I never felt worthy of the Holy Ghost. If they prayed and I didn't talk in tongues, I was told, you better search your life. must be sin. He won't dwell in an unclean vessel. The implication was everybody that spoke in tongues was perfectly sinless. I'm going to tell you something about all the tongue-talking people. Come on, give me fist bump. Come on. Talking in tongues don't mean you're sinless, ladies and gentlemen. It don't mean you're going to go to heaven because you're spirit-filled and you couldn't be spirit-filled unless you were sinlessly perfect. And if you can't get the Holy Ghost or don't get the Holy Ghost when you pray for it, there must be sin in your life. Well, there must be then. Then I'm condemned. I can't come into the presence of God. And the presence of God can't come into me. And you know where I found myself every Sunday? Repenting. What for? I don't know. 
I've repented of everything I could find and asked God to show me anything I missed, so I'm just going down to the altar and repent anyway. Amen. Because everyone's telling me, you better search your life. He won't dwell in an unclean vessel. Well, He won't, but the vessel's been cleansed. But it wasn't cleansed by becoming perfect. It was cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Let us what? Draw near. Let us draw near. <laughs> with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, a conscience defiled by guilt. I love the paraphrase that said, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. This is not just baptism this is the washing of water of the word hallelujah that brings sanctification praise god listen listen to this this psalm for mercy and forgiveness and the absolving of guilt david was carrying guilt he was laden with guilt david had a man murdered because he had an affair with his wife his wife became pregnant, and David wanted to cover it. So if you think there's no grace in the Old Testament, you just get back into the Psalms and read the true story of David. David became despicable. I mean, what would you think of a man? He's a king. He could have women rightfully... But he watched a young woman bathe and he became so sexually drawn to her. He did not fall in love with her. He became sexually obsessed with her. Someone said, well, Proverbs said it about our flesh and what appeals to it. Stolen waters are sweet. There's something about the forbidden fruit. And that's what Satan used to appeal to Adam and Eve's flesh. They saw that it was good. Can you say, man? And they wanted it even though God forbade it. I know stolen waters. I know how that works. And I'm not talking about some, some uh, inordinate relationship. I've been faithful to my wife for, for 54 years coming up. Praise God. Listen. Old man McCraney had a watermelon fields near our home. Me and two of my friends would go out at night. And listen, missing a watermelon among all those watermelons. I mean, it was stealing. But we was not saved. And it wasn't going to bankrupt him if we took a watermelon. That was bad boys, bad boys. What you going to do? <laughs> what you going to do when they come for you? <laughs> so that was our bad boy days. So we went out there after midnight. We going to... You know, get us a watermelon from McCraney's. It wasn't cold. It was still hot from the heat of the day. But I'm going to tell you something. I have never. <laughs> i got to make an admission and confession. I've never tasted a watermelon that tastes as good as the one we stole from old <laughs> McCraney's field. 
stolen watermelons are sweet. I'm going to tell you right now. Amen. Praise God. It was the best. We eat it with our hands and spit out the seeds. Amen. Right at the heart. We got the heart out of that watermelon. We eat that watermelon. We come home wiping it off of our faces, thinking, man, that was good watermelon. Amen. Listen, your flesh, like my flesh, has a propensity toward that that is forbidden. That's what Satan used against Adam and Eve. It works so well, it ain't broke, he's not about to fix it. Amen. We also have a propensity to justify unforgiveness. And everybody that hasn't forgiven can tell you why. Brother, you just don't understand what they did to me. You don't understand. Listen, all you need to understand or I need to understand is what they did to Jesus Christ when they put Him on that cross. It's for His sake that we are forgiven. And if God forgave us for His sake, then we owe it to one another to forgive one another. That's something that is a debt that we have and we will keep until we forgive. And the wonderful thing about it is not only was a prayer answered to where God could raise me up because no spiritual law was in violation. So it wasn't just a faith issue. It was a heart issue. My heart. That's why David said in Psalm 51, under deep conviction and a guilty conscience, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew in me a right spirit. Listen to what he said. This is the psalm that was written after he repented, after the prophet showed him his sin and he repented of it. Have mercy, Psalm 51, 1 through 3. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. I'm sorry. I see it. But he asked in verse 2, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Blot out my transgression. Sin is transgression of the law. When it's forgiven, the transgression is blotted out. There's lawyers that specialize in my area. I go through it all the time and I see it. And they're able to expunge your record. That means you had a conviction. The conviction has been overturned. But on your record, you are a convicted fellow. And there is a way to get it expunged from your record. And it won't keep you from getting a job. It won't keep you from getting that position. Because your record is now clean. Because that event has been expunged from your record. Can you say man? You know what God has done? The record of every sin you've ever committed, He's expunged it when the blood of Jesus was applied. One translation of verse 2 said, Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my shameful deeds. They haunt me day and night. They haunt me. I went to pray for a man, a precious friend. He was dying of stomach cancer. 
He was in the last stages. He attended our church for many years. He had, I and my dad went to church where he went to church when I was a child and I became his pastor. I loved him. And I went to pray for him for healing. But the guilt stains. I asked him, I said, do you know you're forgiven? He said, yes. He said, but I've done some awful things. He felt like whatever was happening to him was punishment for the things he did before he came and repented. And that was ever before him. That's what he saw. There was no faith to believe God for healing because he believed he deserved what he was getting. He didn't understand the nature of grace nor of mercy. And I said, I want to pray for your healing. Are you ready to pray with me today? And he said, I've done some awful things. I said, no, no, no. No, no, no. I said, have you come to Christ? Have you repented? He said, yes, I have. I said, then you're forgiven. You're forgiven. You see, God's forgiveness is free. Freely you receive. Freely give. You're saved by grace through faith. It's the gift of God. It's not of works. You can't earn it. Stop trying to earn it. Live your life for the Lord out of appreciation for the gift. Don't live your life for the Lord to try to earn what is freely given because it's not a gift if you try to earn it. The Bible literally teaches us not to frustrate the grace of God. Don't try to earn what you're supposed to receive. There was a great king a mighty king. And his, his wife got lost in a storm. And a mere servant found her. He just had a farm and some cattle. And he found her wandering, lost. He took her in, fed her, clothed her with, with garments so she would get out of the cold. And the next day took her to the palace. And the king was so appreciative that he picked a jewel out of his treasury that was worth a king's ransom. And he came to the man and the man just wanted to. He loved his king and he was a good hearted man. He didn't do it for a reward. He just did it because he was a good man. And when the king presented him with that beautiful gemstone out of appreciation, the man said, that is too much. For me to ask. In other words, I would never ask for a reward. Because I love my king and I love my country. And the king said, it may be too much for you to ask. But it's not too much for me to give. And from that point, you would be offending the king. By not receiving the gift that he was offering. Can you say, man? I am told through the scripture that salvation is a gift. I am told in scripture that so is the Holy Ghost. It's the gift of the Holy Ghost. Is it too much for you to receive? Not if you understand how deeply the blood of Jesus has cleansed you from your sin. And the stain of sin is the guilt. And I, I had a battle not too long ago. It's amazing. The enemy is he, he's, he's relentless. He accuses us before God day and night. And our conscience will become his ally. And the devil will get us pointed back. And I believe this is part of what Paul was talking about 
It's that cleansing of the conscience. He held the cloaks of them that stoned Stephen to death. He was complicit in the murder of the first Christian martyr. And I'm sure the devil would come to him from time to time and say, there's blood on your hands. How can you stand and talk about the love of God after what you've done? And you know what Paul had to do? He had to deal with that. Forgetting those things that are behind. Everybody say they're behind. And reaching forth to those things, let us draw near with a heart, sincere heart, with full assurance that the blood of Jesus has brought us acceptance with God. Hallelujah. Having no doubt at all that He will receive us and respond to us. No wonder the devil wants to undermine that kind of boldness. Let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and grace to help in the time of any need. Let us come with courage and conviction that our sins are forgiven and we can come into the presence of God and God will welcome us. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody say, getting rid of guilt. David's first request was for mercy, appealing to God's compassion. His second request was for forgiveness. He asked to blot out the stain of his sin. David's third request was the one we all wrestle with. The one Satan uses most against us. Wash me clean from my guilt. From my guilt. One great psychologist who is well known, and he's not so well known that I forgot his name, but I just can't recall it. I, I will later on. He's, on. he's like Freud or one of those psychologists. He had people in an insane asylum. And you know what he said? This is just in the psychological world, the mental world. He said, if I could convince all of my patients that he was visiting in an asylum, that they were forgiven. That they were forgiven. He said 85% of them could walk out. See, once that mental torment, once that mental torment of guilt was be settled, he said they can go free. Because they're guilt-ridden and that guilt is eating them alive. In Psalm, Psalm 32, David said, When I held my peace, when I didn't confess my sin, my moisture was turned to drought. His soul was troubled. His mind was troubled. He had no peace. He had no rest. The guilt was eating him up. But he found forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. How blessed is he whose transgression is covered. Psalm 32, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. And in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away. There's your health. There's your health. There's your health. My body wasted away. Not only is your spirit mine, but your body is being affected. Through all my groaning all day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. Selah. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave me. The guilt of my sin. Not just forgave the transgression, but you took away the guilt 
Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Guilt-ridden Christians never feel qualified to enter into the presence of God. Guilt-ridden Christians never come boldly before the throne of grace. Guilt-ridden Christians can't stand in faith because they don't believe that they are truly worthy of an answer. And as long as the devil can strap you with guilt, he will enslave you. And your body will begin to show the result of it. I don't know how repentance got such a bad spin on it. Oh, it's almost 1130. I'm going to have to quit soon. Give me till 12 o'clock. That clock is wrong. I'm just checking to see if you're going to correct me. Amen. Nobody has said it forward. See, I almost got away with it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you interested in this? You want to be free? Somebody needs this disc. Somebody you know needs. There are people that need this word today. They, you ask them, are you forgiven? They say, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm forgiven. But are they guilt-ridden? Amen. You can see it. They have no boldness. They have no peace. They have no power with God. They always feel disqualified. I, I, they, they walk in the presence of God with their head down. There's a shamefacedness when in the place of the boldness that we are called to. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen to me carefully. The devil is good at it. He's got your own conscience as an ally. God used that conscience in the positive way to convict you of your sin and bring you to Christ so you could be forgiven. But when you're forgiven your sin is forgotten god is never reminded he never associates you as is written saith the lord i will cast your sin away from you as far as the east is from the west and your sin will i remember no more i will never again associate you with your past your sin is blotted out the stain is washed away hallelujah and therefore we can come boldly, amen, into the presence of God. Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance that the blood of Jesus has cleansed us so deeply that sin is not between us and God anymore. Woo! Amen. Hallelujah. Guilt will steal our joy. Damage our faith. Disqualify us from entering in and enjoying the presence of God. Guilt is one area from which you cannot lift yourself by your own efforts. You need the blood of Jesus. But thank God for the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? And what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. There is a fountain filled with, drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath the flood, lose all their guilty stains. Can you say, man, lose all their what? All their guilty stains. Forgetting those things that are behind. Listen, you don't have to go way back in your past. Maybe you messed up yesterday. Maybe it was yesterday 
Maybe we need to ask forgiveness today so that we can forget what was behind so that not even one day... Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Can you say amen? Get it settled with God and, and press on. Hallelujah. Don't let your past hold you back. Don't let forgiveness hold you back. Don't let your conscience of past sins hold you back. I got up the other day and I hadn't thought of my past in so long. But I got up the other morning, Brother Taylor, and it's like a dump truck had come to my yard and dumped. Something should have been hauled off somewhere. Can you say, man, in my front yard? I won't tell you what it was, but it draws flies and it stinks. Can you say, man? You can figure the rest out for yourself. Your past and mine is stinking with sin. And suddenly, here I am after all of these years as a Christian, all of these years preaching the cross and, and being washed in the blood of Jesus, and, and my past is, where did it come from? I didn't pull it out of the closet or wherever it's stored. It's not stored in a closet. I didn't dig it up. Well, I can't dig it up. It's not buried in the ground. It's done. It's over with. It's settled. The old account we used to sing was settled long ago. Well, if the old account was settled long ago at the cross when I came to Christ, why is this back in my front yard? Who hauled it there? The devil did. You had a past. If the devil could, he would convince you to just think about that instead of your forgiveness and your new position you have in Christ. Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance, having our conscience sprinkled from evil, from guilt-ridden, amen, thoughts. And I thought, Lord, where did that come from? And I realized that we're on the threshold of believing God for souls and to go forward instead of backward and to refire instead of retire. So the devil is running out of weapons. Amen. He, he, God told me, don't look at the size of your church. Look at the greatness of your God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Don't look at the empty seats. Look at the people that have come and are receiving. Hallelujah. And, and in fact, look past the empty seats to the seats that are going to be filled in the future as we go forward and not back up because I'm still called to preach. If you don't believe it, turn me loose for a little while. Can you say, man, I'm still called to teach. I'm still called to model Christ and follow Christ. And I'm called to raise my eyes and look upon the fields which are white unto harvest. All of heaven is with us when we enter into the harvest field as a laborer for Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Don't look at the people that are not revived. Look at the people that will be revived. And by the way, all the dry wood makes the best fire. Amen. So don't even look at the dryness except see the potential for a, a mighty fire. Hallelujah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this and we're going to have a song. Sin and slaves, forgiveness free. Say that with me. Sin and slaves, forgiveness free. This is a true story.
a little boy visiting his grandparents and given his first slingshot. Oh, you don't give Dennis the Menace a slingshot. Amen? You'll put your eye out. You'll put somebody else's eye out. But he could never, he practiced in the woods, but he could never hit his target. He came back to Grandma's backyard. He spied her pet duck. Her pet duck. On an impulse, he took aim and let fly. The stone hit, and the duck fell dead. The boy panicked. Desperately, he hid the dead duck in the woodpile, only to look up and see his sister watching. Sally had seen it all. But she said nothing. After lunch that day, Grandma said, Sally, let's wash the dishes. But Sally said, Johnny told me he wanted to help in the kitchen today. Didn't you, Johnny? And she whispered to him, Remember that duck? So Johnny did the dishes. Later, Grandpa asked if the children wanted to go fishing. Grandma said, I'm sorry, but I need Sally to help me make supper. Sally smiled and said, that's all taken care of. Johnny wants to do it. Again, she whispered, remember that duck? Johnny stayed while Sally went fishing. After several days of Johnny doing both his chores and Sally's, he finally couldn't stand it anymore. He confessed to Grandma that he'd killed the duck. I know, Johnny, she said, giving him a hug. I was standing at the window and saw the whole thing. But because I love you, I'm going to forgive you. I wondered how long you would let Sally make a slave of you. Guilt will enslave you to the devil and his condemnation. The blood of Jesus will set you free. <laughs> Hallelujah. For whom the Son sets free. You're not just free because your sin is forgiven, but your past is gone and your guilt is absolved. Hallelujah. How can you be guilty about sins that are gone forever? Forgetting those things that are where? behind and reaching forth let us draw near can you say man to the things that are before with a sincere heart in full assurance hallelujah what can wash away my sin but the blood of jesus glory to god there's power power wonder working power in the precious blood of the lamb glory be to god are you ready to rejoice today Will you stand to your feet? Let's give God some praise in this place. God wants to answer prayer. God wants to send a revival. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if David could get all of that in the old covenant, just look at what's available to you and me in the new covenant. For the blood of Jesus speaks of that. Yeah, we received it, but if you didn't have a chance, that's fine. Hallelujah. Better things than that of bulls and goats. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many know someone that is guilt-ridden? My dear friend was guilt-ridden.
And I told him, I said, brother, brother, those sins are gone. And they were. And he acknowledged God had forgiven him. But he had never forgiven himself. He was still riddled with the guilt. And the guilt will dog you. And your body, after a while, will begin to suffer. That immune system is breaking down. And that joy that gives us strength in His presence, there's fullness of joy. And God is calling His people into His presence for that time of refreshing from the hand of the Lord. And you've got to come with full assurance that you can enter in. Don't be one of those people that's outside the, that, that wonderful manifest presence of God. But one of those people that boldly come on in and press on in. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Well, brother, remember what did you do with that dump truck load of stuff in your front yard? I applied the blood of Jesus. Amen. You know what it said in Revelation 12? Now is the accuser of our brethren cast down that accused them before God day and night. And they overcame him by just staying positive, by just never looking back. No, they overcame him by the application of the blood of the Lamb. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I plead the blood of Jesus. Can you say man hallelujah and my conscience begin to be cleansed of all of that guilt and shame and I said Lord this is a double blessing I, I appreciate grace so much more how could I carry the burden of all of that how could I stand before you in that condition but thank God that condition has been changed hallelujah I plead the blood of Jesus Christ hallelujah and this is how it feels brother taylor to be free and my faith is bold today and my conscience is clear hallelujah oh hallelujah and i can believe god for miracles Woo! somebody give him praise as we praise him let's just praise him before you go home we're gonna have some bold people stand up in this place hallelujah hallelujah yeah